says hello. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that. No. That's no. <laughs> say hello to the kids. Say hello to the kids, but that's so. Ah, uh, what does Rachel Vice say? That's so macabre. That's so macabre. <laughs> so yeah, say hello to the. <laughs> that I'm just leaving all that in. That's our intro <laughs> to After the Hype with me, your host as always, Brian Dressel. That's so macabre. <laughs> with me as always is Mr. Jonathan Hardesty. Hi. And Chewy Darso. Hi. Uh, this week we are to. To cover, we are going to cover, I am just failing at covering. words. We are covering, Discussion. discussing the favorite. The favorite. The favorite. Favor. <laughs> favorite. I'm trying to get that U in there Favorite. For Matt. No, the only uh, person can get the U in there is Matt. Yeah, I know. And, well, now our, our new copy editor, Tracy, will probably leave those in, too. She is also from across the pond. Um, ye old Brits. Ye old Brits. I hope they listen to this episode. Bloody colonists. <laughs> that's that's us. They made us. Okay. Yeah. And sure. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> They're still colonists. They, they poured out all their tea, all so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Hamilton showed up. I'll stop. Uh... <laughs> And he sang a lot of songs, too. He did. Mm. He, was, he was a bastard orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman. Anyhow, um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so I, I'm very excited to dive into The Favorite. It's a very weird movie from earlier this, uh, earlier last year, late last year? Late last year, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but before we do, we should do a little quick, where have you been doing? Um, I'm going to go first, because I'm, I'm real sour about mine. Real sour. I, uh, I went and saw Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And uh, I, I think it sucked. Oh no! It sucked pretty hard. I, I'm a pretty big Godzilla fan. Admittedly, they do put me to sleep quite often. Uh, there's something about Godzilla movies. I stay away. I know. So that's but a there's something. Review. Yeah, but but that's the thing is like I love Godzilla movies, but almost every time I watch one, like about halfway through, I'm just like. And I'm there going, honey, honey, the monsters are fighting now. <laughs> But either way, I enjoy watching them. Uh, and You enjoyed the would-be hat retriever. Oh my god, I love the would-be hat retriever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he doesn't get his hat, but he would've. Well, he dies. Rodan <laughs> kills the shit out of him. Yeah, he does. Um, but like this one, it just it just didn't get it, I don't think. like, And I've seen a lot of people like praising it for just being two hours of monsters fighting. And I didn't really see two hours of monsters fighting. Yeah, that's a lie. I saw wait, wait, wait. a lot of. So the commercials human... are wrong. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, I'm just saying you've seen every fight. Like, oh no, most of the fight. Oh no, like, like there's a little bit of like Super Saiyan Godzilla at the end. It's kind of cool, I guess. But it, it's just like at the end of the 2014 Godzilla when the the light starts going up his spine and he blasts the lasers right through the Mudo's face and it's like, oh shit, that is awesome. This movie had not a single moment of, oh, shit, that is awesome. And, like, characters die very quickly. Like, Sally Hawkins, spoilers, I'm sorry, dies. And then the next scene, she's just not there. And I'm like, oh, that was her that died. Like, it just goes by so quick that you just miss it. And, like, I I just feel like this movie just didn't give a shit about anything other than getting as much special effects monsters on screen to maybe duke it out for a second or two, but they mostly just kind of roar at each other. Oh, jeez. Uh, and then fight in shaky cam so you can't see shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and think... then cut back to the humans a whole bunch so they don't have to actually render entire fights. Yeah, like, it's just a... I just think it was a mess. And the more I'm sitting there, the more I'm like, I don't like this at all. And this is, like, made for people like me. And I, I feel like it just... It missed the mark 
as wide as you can. Like, I'd rather go back and watch Pacific Rim Uprising again. Like, that one at least knew how to be fun. Or even uh, just... or even Shin Godzilla, which we talked about uh, recently. Well, I love Shin Godzilla. I'd watch that one again any day of the week. That movie was fantastic. This one is not. Uh, and I'm glad that people out there liked it. I'm glad that they're digging it. I mean, more love for Godzilla the better. Uh, but this one is not one I will be going back to, I think, really ever, unless we cover it for this podcast. And even if we do that, I'll, I'll be pretty disappointed the whole time. So I'll probably just not do that. Yeah, I'll just watch the <laughs> Well, it just movies. that bodes pretty yeah. poorly for the... They're trying to bring King Kong into this, right? For the next one or whatever? Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense as to why him and Godzilla would fight. Yeah, Godzilla is like definitely like scaly He's Superman. A good guy. Yeah, he is definitely a good guy. And so is King Kong. So... Oh, what are they so fight about? So it's going to be the um, Batman v Superman thing. Yeah, kind of. But like the, they try to tease it at the end. Like, ah, so he is our protector for now. Ugh. Oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, that's horrible. That's just... Yeah, it's not good. Uh, did you, did you quote say... that verbatim? Because I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty it. much. It's lied. Yeah. For now is the tag. For now. Whew. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, I think, does a good job. It's cool seeing her in something other than Stranger Things. Um, she doesn't really have a lot to do. She just kind of is the wimpy kid for 90% of the movie, and then she, like, runs away with a laptop at the end and does something. Okay, um, so she's going against type. Her back together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't have any nosebleeds throughout the whole movie. So, yeah, yeah definitely against type. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I guess I guess the people in it did a good job. It's not fully against type. They're still keeping her in uh, really confined spaces away away from the rest of the world. Yelling at big scaly monsters. Yeah. So okay, nope, never mind. Right on target. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Just okay. no nosebleeds. And there's no little boys. Yeah, there's no Finn Wolfhard just going. I love you. Do you yeah. love me? Hey, hey, or hey. that's no let's magic talk powers about or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it for me though. I'll stop bitching about it. John, what about you? Where have you been doing? Well, yeah, I watched most of the streams for E3. I'll just do that. And. I was kind of disappointed for most of them. It's kind of been the general trajectory each and every year. Oh, it's just more of this, more of the same. Especially with uh, the big one that they were hyping, Cyberpunk 2077. There was a gameplay trailer reveal months ago that had a lot more story, a lot more existing in the world and doing stuff. Like you're going to get augmentations and things like that. But this was more just, I'm here and we're going to have a shootout. And there's a flashback to some friend in a car dying and stuff. I don't know. And then Keanu Reeves shows up. And Keanu Reeves is cool, but then he's like, let's just burn the town down. Something something was missing. Are you not on the Keanu train? Oh, I, I am. But I'm also into fun games, and it, I'm not sure this game looks fun yet, because I don't know anything about the game. Personally, I kind of like that. I like that we don't know anything about it, because I feel like the more I know about games these days, the more I'm like, I'll get it when it's 20 bucks. And this one really has my interest peaked, especially because who made it. But I agree with you, the trailer was super lackluster. And maybe it's not so much that I want to have everything told to me, but there's a couple different things that they seem to be dodgy on. Like, am I going to be playing as the dude that's in this new trailer? Because he's boring, boring face with a couple of, you know, bright lights on his head. When the protagonist of the trailer is dumb, I wasn't keen on him. If it had been like, oh, we're Keanu Reeves, I was like, oh, cool. That's actually kind of neat. I'm still interested in the world because the city looks insane. And if they even come through with like half the promises of just that open world, I'm down for it. But I hope it's more of Mass Effect where you can choose who your character is going to be. That's kind of what I was looking for. It's like, throw me a bone. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I'm more into that than I am the fucking Adventures game. That thing looked awful. Oh, you mean uh, the bland adventures? Like, we can't have the actors' likenesses, so we'll not use them? Uh, Cherry, what about you? 
Oh, actually, I watched another documentary. Ooh. Uh, this one was Three Identical Strangers. Similar to, I mean, I guess that's just, that's the documentaries, honestly. And it's very rare for you to watch a documentary and for it to be happy. Most of the time, it's about something sad. <laughs> and these guys were no exception. Uh, they were <laughs> three dudes <laughs> in a hundred mile radius were adopted by three different families in 1961 and they were were identical triplets and one dude just per chance ends up going to the same community college as the other brother and he gets keeps getting mistaken for his brother and he's like why does everyone at the school think they know me it's my first day it's like like it sounds like something out of like twilight zone and then he finds out he's an identical brother and then the other the third brother finds out about him because they get covered in a newspaper. And then he's like, <laughs> y- them? Me? What? <sighs> and then it all like sp- spirals into this thing that it turns out it was a experiment by a child psychologist of all people who decided, I want to see what it's like to separate identical siblings at birth and have them be raised by different parents. And he thought he was going to solve the answer, is it nature or nurture, how you turn out. And... Was this person's name vault Tech? No. <laughs> um, and the, the, the study, they believe, just ended when the, guy, the kids met, found each other. They just... Because, I mean, then there's no more study because they... they they now know. Oh, poor that, scientist guy. Yeah. But they apparently did it to a ton of kids. Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, no. And they have this, they have the entire research study at, like, Yale in a vault. And it has this... So it is vault tech. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. But, and it has uh, this, like, time stamp on it where it's not the, people are not allowed to see the entirety of the research study until, like, 2063 or something essentially that means that they're they don't want it to be released until all the subjects are dead like that's what i get from it how is that holding up in court well in in the epilogue like scroll thing at the end of the documentary it says that after the documentary was made some of the records were made available for these three dudes but heavily redacted to to keep secret or protect the identity of the other people in the study. I I really hope that the documentary does enough to make people go, fuck your science, let siblings be siblings. Well, it, the, they, even, they even, like, in the documentary, have someone come on and goes, I understand both points of view. A girl that was, like, the assistant of the dude. And she's like, you have on one hand the, why wouldn't you let them know that they have a sibling? They have a sibling. They should know they have a sibling. Yes. On the other hand, it's, they don't know. You have no idea how plus negative or whatnot this would affect them. So are you going to take the risk that this could hurt them? Because in the documentary, one of the dudes commits suicide. Oh. Of course. It's a bummer. <laughs> you mentioned it was a bummer earlier. Yeah, it's not... I forgot about the bummer part. <laughs> oh, um, no. It wasn't yeah. a happy, go lucky, like, we're all family now. Like, it had pluses and minuses, and one of the dudes, and apparently they all think that they all suffer from uh, 
separation anxiety and uh, bipolar something something because of them being separated at birth. Uh, as much fun it is to keep talking about that joyous <laughs> movie, I think it's time to start talking about the favorite. Uh, I'll stop saying that now. Uh, <laughs> favorite. Uh, this no, movie you came won't. Out last... no, you no, won't. No, probably not. Uh, I mean, when you're right, you're right. Uh, so Favorite is a movie came out last year. It stars Rachel Weiss. It stars How Emma Stone. And I'm forgetting her fucking name. The one who won an Academy Award for the movie, so I should definitely remember her name. The Nic- Queen! Olivia Nicholas Coleman. Holt. Thank you, Olivia Coleman and Nicholas Holt. Um, it's a movie that I, I really wanted to see in theaters, and I just didn't have time because baby... Uh, and then my, my aunt went to go see it. So if you're listening to Doreen High and she said, I should not see it. She thought it was a little too weird. I can see that point of view. Um, I disagree with it, but I totally see where she's coming from. Did you say um, Olivia Coleman? Yes. Okay. Um, well, technically John said it and I just agreed with oh, it. Oh, um, Yep, that was, my, that was my catch. Well done. I was too busy. Hooray uh, for me. Sorry. Hooray for John. Um... <laughs> But before we dive into it too much, uh, it is Chewie's turn this week. As I said last week when I was jokingly saying, in 30 minutes when you have to do this, <laughs> and then we weren't able to record that. So it's actually been a few days. So Chewie, can you please kindly, as quickly as humanly possible, we don't, we're not made of time here, what happens in The Favorite? Uh, well, The Favorite starts with the Queen being glum and uh, Lady Marlborough coming to be like, we got stuff to do. <laughs> Uh, and then <laughs> Abigail, her cousin, comes in a carriage with a dude masturbating in front of her. And yep. that kind of sets the tone of the movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yep. And then she comes. Uh, she, hey. she, no, she doesn't come like that. Later. Uh, but Abigail becomes a just like a standard servant. Uh, but then she helps the queen by putting some stuff on her leg while she's sleeping, and it makes her feel better. So then she becomes comes Lady Marlborough's personal servant, uh, and she uh, ends up having to service uh, Nicholas Holt in his gossip. And by doing that, she decides that she needs to be the queen's favorite. And they she starts having influence over the war, whom Marlborough's not very big fan of that nor is she a fan of the affection she's stealing away from the queen and you know kind of like a cat fight sort of thing but more british a lot more british uh (laughs) and it ends with a lady marlborough losing and abigail winning but then does abigail really win that's the end of the movie you you did unless i was wrong because i was looking up the imdb to make sure i get names right throughout this i did you mention that they were having a lover's triangle Kind of. I said stealing the affections of the queen. Okay. Well, well, they're actually. You needed me to wrap it up a bunch. I'm not going to talk about the lesbianism. Oh, well, you should mention the lesbianism. Lesbianism. Um, the gayness of the movie, I feel, is rather important to the movie. Um, so that's the only thing I'd say you missed in that. Yeah, Otherwise, near perfect breakdown. Um, let's just do a quick round the table. Uh, not jumping to the very end of the episode where I'll say if I recommend it or not. Did we like it? Yes or no. Uh, and I would say I, I, I loved it. I, I really, really loved it. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, now that I've had a little bit more time to think about it, I, I do really like the movie. Maybe not love, but I, I really enjoyed it. Did you not like it at first? Uh, I wasn't sure. Because uh, it was just out there enough and a lot of contemplative parts that I, I needed some time to think about it. So my review might have been a little bit less 
if we'd recorded it sooner. So. Oh, interesting. But, yeah. Chewy? I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's the... And that's where I'll kind of start with it, is I, I think kind of John's gut reaction, I think, is what a lot of people had, of this movie's a little weird. And it's not weird in the way of just a guy masturbating in a carriage, which is odd. Um, no, that was the more normal thing about this. <laughs> it, it's that... There's something about whenever you sit down for a period piece that you you know what you're going to watch. Like, almost the whole way through, you're like, oh, I can pretty much guess everything that's going to happen here. Especially because they're usually biographical. This one is. So it follows history, so you kind of know what's going to happen. But this one does things a little different. And, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like, it kind of just says, fuck it to accuracy. And I yeah. kind of love it for it. Like, the... The dancing is not what dancing was like then. The language is most certainly not how they talked back then. Uh, at least not from our knowledge. Um, I'm not sure if the costumes are right, because I'm not a period perfectionist. I but but I don't were. think so. I think they just went for what looks best on people. And I, I yeah. and that's what I loved about the movie as much as I did, is that uh, the director, I, I can never pronounce the guy's name. I realize I, I probably should have looked it up before this. But it's Yorgos Lanthimos is what I want to say, which I'm sure is butchered. Um but he's really good at just like I don't care if it makes sense I'm gonna do what looks right and what feels right and that was like if you didn't see it The Lobster that came out um, a few years ago I thought that movie was fucking amazing and this one falls right in line with that of like no this doesn't really make sense as far as you know any normal world would make sense but it makes sense in the world of the movie and I think he does that better than almost anybody out there right now like I'm excited to watch anything he makes because of those decisions um, but John, yeah. what about you? Why did uh, why did it rub you wrong in the, the beginning? Well, I think you kind of touched on it. Is that because of his kind of fuck it mentality with the the accuracy and playing against the expectations? I think I was for the at least the first maybe third of the movie, I was kind of fighting against some of those expectations of a period piece, and and then kind of hitting those moments where these things weren't accurate, like the dancing. Which I think that that scene was kind of where I had to switch from like AM to FM, so to speak. Be like, oh, I see. I see what we're doing now. And then from there on, I could get on board with it. And then going back through and thinking through all the scenes that happened, all the setup, all that sort of stuff, it made a lot more sense. Um, just because there were some of those things that just weren't vibing or like I wasn't exactly on the, the rails in the movie at that, at that moment, what he was trying to do. But I think that was just more maybe not being as experienced with this movie. I, I missed The Lobster when it came out, and I wish I'd seen that just to kind of get a vibe on his style. But Yeah, because I didn't see... I really want to, and I just haven't yet, but Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I hear that one's a little bit more... Um, a little that's bit more, his, too? That's him, too. And I hear that one's a little bit more subdued as far as style goes. And uh, Lobster is a better companion piece to this one. If it's just... Like, and, uh, he's. I was just looking up some quotes that he said. Like He's famously said, like I want people to be a just a little uncomfortable when they watch his movies and he kind of nails that like this one i never really got fully uncomfortable but i had those moments of like when the queen is attracted to emma stone it's kind of like they do it in a way and i can see why olivia coleman won the academy award because she's so good in it but they do it in a way where like you have this uncomfortable feeling of like she's the queen she can demand that they have sex right now and she knows that she'll get a yes because she's the queen, but she doesn't want to demand it. She wants to be wanted. And, like, that is just through Olivia Coleman's performance, at least in my opinion, the whole way through. If it's not just I want 
so I have. It's I want to be wanted. And I think that's a really tough thing to pull off. And it can make people feel a little uncomfortable. And I think that was great. I, I don't know if that came through or if I'm just grasping at straws here. But I, I thought that's what I latched onto throughout the majority of the movie. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what brought me around on it. Coming, Going back through it, kind of re restructuring the movie, like re-piecing it together after I saw it, you know, sleeping on it. That that power dynamic, that uh, motivation, want, needs thing, like that interplay between all three of the characters was really compelling and really disconcerting, but in a good way, like you said. Yeah. I didn't really get desire from the queen towards Abigail until after the leg rubbing. I thought it was just she enjoyed her attention before that i I don't really see it as desire i just i meant like she she picked up that emma stone wanted to be around her and she wanted that she wanted more of she wanted to be loved yeah and for someone to be able to like break her out of her shell a little bit because that's what abigail did she did things that sarah didn't do like dance with her uh have interest in her bunnies say nice things to say her. nice things to her yeah she she fulfilled needs that sarah was neglecting because sarah she was totally the the lover who had become accustomed to her position and was taking it for granted well there's a little bit of that and there's a little bit of the the tough love because i never believed or never disbelieved rachel weiss's love for oh the yeah queen. you could tell she loved her but... oh yeah she was devoted yeah but she was also exactly what you said she got cocky she got too comfortable in position she would take yeah advantage of it for sure and yeah and i thought that was actually kind of a, a nice a nice thing why they like when they split them up when we lost sight of rachel vice for a while and then when she came back i almost was relieved at her return to the movie because i like the movie made me almost as into that tough love in the beginning as the queen was yeah. so it was like this weird like having them like having enough of abigail for a little bit and then coming back to sarah it was like to, to me that was very interesting and that's I really cued into that that when the movie shifted that way, and yeah, I, I found that I really. I was relieved like, she came back because then you know someone's actually ruling the country. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it's it's obvious the queen is suffering from extreme postpartum that has just developed into deep depression. Oh yeah. And you know, there's no such thing as mental health, mental health back then. It's just well, especially she, for a queen. Yeah. Um. So, and she can't read very well. She was, like, super nearsighted, Mm -hmm. from what I could tell. She couldn't walk. She she couldn't be queen. Like, she was just not really fit. So, we needed Sarah. And Abigail doesn't give a shit. No, Abigail, it's not even that she doesn't give a shit. It's that she... uh... She's just not there mentally. That was never her goal. That was never her goal from the beginning. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why, to me, it was such a sad thing when Sarah left. Yeah, but I mean, there there can only be space for one at the top of the mountain, and yeah. So you got a girl who's just going to take advantage of the queen, get drunk, and not help her rule the country. So yeah, it, it the did entire not... thing was quite sad for me. Oh, the entire movie's like there. It's listed as like a black comedy, and I the the <laughs> jokes are few and far between. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it though, because there's a lot I of that it. political, like that political interplay with the, the, the what was it, the Senate or the, the, just all that back and forth that we would cut to after the relationship stuff. It would go to the the rule make the rules making and the arguments and the you know the opposing side, 
it just felt so heightened and ridiculous. Like that's not that clearly can't be accurate because it was so just out there. And what was the the back and forth? Like, should we go to war? Like here, here, and the, like they, they they notched that up with the movie, and that's where I saw yeah. some of the comedy too. See, that felt pretty accurate. Yeah, that to me. felt like, accurate to me. Like the the comedy for me was more so in just like Emma Stone and uh, her uh, future husband. Like that was a lot of like. The, oh my god, the part when he's flirting with her and she just keeps punching him. Oh my god, it's so good. Like that was legitimate laugh out loud, like almost slapstick yeah. comedy. Like that worked really well for me. And when Nicholas Holt just pushed her down the ravine. Oh, it just like gets like, frustrated, whoops. just pushes. <laughs> and then he just looks at her. You okay? <laughs> 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 eh, that was the comedy in yeah. my mind. Nicholas Holt plays a very good asshole. Which, honestly, I don't even think he was that much of an asshole. He was trying to stop a war. He was talking about the people. He was talking about the common folk. Like, he was never really out for money or power. He ended up getting power in the end. He was definitely out for power. But power, definitely. power because he wanted to end the war. Sure, he, st- he might have altruistic values and goals but that doesn't change the fact that he was definitely out for power the whole time see i I like i like that about the movie too that you guys are that we can have that kind of argument about it because the he for me he changed based off of who he was fighting with when he was against sarah it felt more like he was vying for power uh, and or sorry the other way around uh for abigail he was trying to just be a power grabbing person but then he felt just like a regular dissident with Sarah. Like it, it changed a little bit for me between each person he interacted with. And I thought that was actually kind of fun. Yeah, I, I, I liked it, but it just, for me, it just, it, I don't think it really ever changed that much. I think his approach changed. So like yeah, it, he's a politician. Yeah, and I think he just nailed being a politician. And I think that worked really well. Um, the other thing that I kind of want to talk about is just, for some reason, Rachel Weisz got a lot of talk, and obviously Olivia Coleman deservedly got a lot of praise throughout the movie. But Emma Stone really did it. And, like, Emma Stone, I, I honestly, she was batting a thousand in this movie. Like, I, I would, personally, I would say, <laughs> short of uh, Birdman, I would say it's her best performance to yeah. date. And it's I'd agree with that. Mo- mostly because she does such a good job throughout the first, I want to say, two-thirds of the movie, you think you're supposed to side with her. Like, they do a really good job selling her as nearly the protagonist. Like, maybe not... Like, definitely not an antagonist. And, like, it's kind of like Rachel Weisz might be an antagonist. She might be a protagonist. But you don't really know how to feel about her because she is so stern and so rude. But obviously also caring. So it's, she's got a really tough thing to figure out. Whereas they make Emma Stone... First off, just by casting Emma Stone, you automatically go, Well, you gotta love Emma Stone. It's Emma Stone. It's America's sweetheart. Everyone loves America's Emma Stone. Right. She, she's clearly then, a good guy. Yeah, and then she has like the slapsticky like the she gets pushed out of the carriage. She shows up for a job interview covered in mud. Like she has the very almost like Princess Diaries like oh shucks like I can just be uh, noble too. And then it just slowly but surely just like oh no she's fucking vicious. Oh yeah, like, and for, and for you me, you buy like, it. Oh go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I I did buy it though because I feel like she was shaped by her circumstances to a point. Uh, I think it was one of those things where you have someone who's trying to be a good person and then it ends up starting to backfire on her and then she just embraces the fight. She, cause she, if, 
if she conceded, like stuck to what the moral values she said she had, if she had stuck to those, right. she would have gotten stuck as a woman who gets raped in the kitchen. That would have been her life. And yeah. she was not going to go back to that. So she was pushed into this fight that she decided that she had to get rid of Sarah. Otherwise, she was going to die. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if it was get rid of Sarah. Because by the time she was trying to get rid of Sarah, she was trying to be Sarah. Yeah. Because she had already, if she had stayed Sarah's right-hand man, she could have stayed that throughout the rest of the time. And she would have been protected because no one's going to be the, the, she's not the girl who gets raped in the kitchen when she's Sarah's right-hand man. If she had been the original servant, the one who didn't run out into the forest and get the herbs to help the queen's legs, then you're spot on. But after she did that and she got that promotion, I think if she had been content there, she would have been fine. But she had Nicholas Holt pushing her. She had the yeah. queen push, like, pushing for affection. She had so many things where she could see a new finish line, and she's like, I want it. Yeah, like she was changed, in my opinion, changed by her circumstances. And sure. it ended up making her a bad person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we might be... Kind of like Cersei in (laughs) Game of Thrones. Well, I'll stand by my... She could have been a good person if she wasn't having all these things thrown at her. That's a discussion for another day, (laughs) because I wholeheartedly disagree, and I think Cersei is evil, and that's what makes her wonderful. Mm. Um, But that's... That's a different discussion. Uh, I see Emma Stone is almost exactly what you're saying. It was by circumstance. And her circumstance gave her an opportunity and she fucking went for it. Yeah. She did. And Rachel Weisz. And she continued with it. Even oh, after yeah. Sarah had left court and then she started to slander her husband. Oh, yeah. And like that's the thing. is like Sarah underestimated her at every turn and she never should have. Yeah, that was pretty... Del- like, I At the end, I was rooting for Sarah. I felt bad, but like she did. She just did not see her, Abigail coming, and while it was happening, she didn't believe it was happening. Like, she just refused to see it. Well, it wasn't that she refused to see it. I think she did see it, and she just assumed, I'm a fucking badass. That little, like, cricket isn't going to be able to stop me. And it's like, <laughs> right. uh... Well, she, she didn't assume how good Abigail was going to be at playing the game. Because yeah. she tries to get rid of her. She does get rid of her. But then Abigail goes and does the, you know, the fight club moment where she smashes her own face and then cries in front of the queen. Yeah. Like, who, how are you going to anticipate that? I, I never, I never realized, or I didn't realize that someone would beat that fight club scene <laughs> as Emma Stone did. And I think that that's my favorite version of it now. Like, she did so good with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really wish, like, the, the award season had been more... I mean, don't get me wrong. We'll, we'll talk about Olivia Coleman next, but I, I just I wish she'd gotten more praise because I feel like, and maybe it's just I totally forgot where I was going with that. Yep, moving on. Uh, so let's talk a little bit of Olivia <laughs> Coleman. Uh, I have no idea what the hell I was trying to say. Um, I think she's the only thing that won an Academy Award in this, right? Yeah, it didn't win. Co- uh, no, yes. Black Panther won costume, so she's the only one who won anything. And honestly, like. It, do you know Olivia Coleman from anything other than uh, Doctor Who? That's the only other thing I know her from. I've seen her in things, but I've never known her as a name. Isn't actor, she also? So I've recognized her face. Sure. That's about it. Isn't she also like in Broadchurch or something like that? Yeah. I never saw Broadchurch, so she that I, I didn't either. Okay. But I saw a lot of advertisements for it. And okay, that I mean that makes sense. I mean I've heard that she's a great actress for years, but I just remember from the pilot of, or I guess pilot first episode of season five. Oh wait, Doctor correct Who, me if I'm wrong. She's not. Uh, she's in Hot Fuzz, isn't she? Isn't she, isn't she the female cop in Hot Fuzz? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. But I, I always upset people when I say that's my least favorite out of his trilogy. Um, <laughs> sorry, internet. That one just didn't do it for me. I don't know why. Um, there are great moments in it. Don't get me wrong. It's just I'd rather watch At World's End or Shaun of the Dead, and I don't know why At World's End is better to me. But it is, so whatever. <laughs> Different conversation. Oh, boo. <laughs> Um, if you all want to fight with Brian, he is located at no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people disagree with me all the time. I've gotten used to it. Yeah. Um, but Olivia Coleman in this, we we talked about it a little bit earlier with just the, how she portrayed the uh, the want to be wanted almost better than I think anybody ever has. But beyond that, she played a deteriorating mind better than I think almost anyone I've seen. Like uh, like this was like the Russell Crowe beautiful mind level acting of just but his was just so like give me an Oscar. Look at me. I am Russell Crowe. Oh yeah, and he this was, was he just... was thirsty for that Oscar and Oh yeah. And that I did not get that from her performance in this at all. There was no like I am doing this to win my statue. This was just I'm going to give the best performance I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just it, her it... Go ahead, John. Oh, it just seemed like this was another another uh, acting gig like she just gives it that much awesomeness that it was like okay that's whatever <laughs> yeah like, this was this was her job and she was devoted to it and she did the best job she possibly could and it just so happened to be the best of the year and like i am almost more impressed at that because like how many movies we watch where it's like oh boy somebody's gunning for an oscar in this one and i didn't get it from her at all like she's no. just it was just natural talent and it was amazing yeah it's just particularly for me the scene during the dance where I'm sure a lot of people are like, they just really focused on the craziness of what they were doing. But I just love actors that can fully get into roles and you can see the thought process on their faces. Yeah. And you can, the camera just settles on her watching them dance and it goes from happiness to sadness and then to anger where she wants them to stop because she doesn't want to, she can't handle the emotion. Yeah. And then they do it again with the kids playing instruments. And then you just really get... You get the the utter despair from her and the complete lack of help that she received from all of her miscarriages and from her children dying and everything. Yeah, and it was 17 miscarriages, right? Oh, Seven, not miscarriages. 17, because she, she said they some went with blood and some went soon after birth right. or whatever. So she was pregnant 17 times. She was pregnant 17 times. And that is a lot. Yeah. And then to lose every one of those. And especially for a woman at the time, that's your... Your purpose. Yeah. That you, without procreation, you were not, if she wasn't queen, she would not be important. No. She would have been left to the side. Absolutely. And yeah. like, that's the thing. As a queen, I mean, especially in that time, part of the king and queen's job is to make new kings. Yeah. Like, and you'll go on a history lesson on Wikipedia and they talk about how she was the end of the line for her, her uh, house. I forgot the name of it. Gryffindor. Like, no, it was like Winston or <laughs> something. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but the reign of those people in England. And then yeah. it went to some cousins after she passed. Yeah, because she couldn't have kids. Yeah. And it she pulled it off. Like, I felt so much pain for her. No, you're right. It, like, the movie, it really did a good job kind of hand-holding with emotions. And, like, that's that's not an easy thing to do. And, like, and that's why I like this director as much as I do. Like, if you want to see a movie that's just, like, Oh, this is what it is to try to be in a relationship. Now, watch The Lobster. It's it's so fucking brutal. And this guy does such a good job making a movie that's kind of almost funny, but then you're like, 
why am I so sad? Like, like it's impressive. Yeah. Um, but I think we've kind of ran the gamut on this one. So let's let's move into quotes. Quote, 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 quotes. Quotes of quotes. Okay. Quotes. Uh, I can go first because mine is, it's the best in the movie, so I'm sorry, you chumps. Um, <laughs> mine comes from Emma Stone because, of course, uh, and it's in the conversation where Rachel Weisz is like, you think you won, haven't you? And she turns around, she's like, well, haven't I? And her reply was like, well, haven't I? All I know is that your carriage awaits, and my maid is on her way up with something called a pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bitchy. It's <laughs> it is. It's like, oh, I love it. Uh, she's going to be disappointed on that super moldy pineapple, though. <laughs> I'm sure it didn't start moldy with her. It just got moldy as it passed from person to person. Sure. Uh uh, my favorite quote is from Abigail, and I love it when her future husband comes into her room all dressed up in his uh, uh, modern fashions. Oh, the makeup and, and the she, wig. Yeah, and, the... and she looks at him and be like, are you here to seduce me or rape me? And then he said, well, I'm a gentleman. And she goes, oh, so rape. And then she just lays there. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I'm just like, zing. <laughs> She's a tough character, that one. Yeah. Uh, John, what about you? The line from Abigail, where she says, uh, as it turns out, I'm capable of much unpleasantness. And just how the movie pays that line off in dividends, especially at the very end with just the putting her heel on the, the, the bunny. And oh, oh just yeah, those two things together. Cool. Chef's this kiss, is... but like negative chef's kiss. <laughs> and that, oh, that moment. Again, with the queen just laying there, slowly realizing... This is who I'm saddled with now. She doesn't love me. She doesn't care. She just, she's fooled me. Sarah was right. All that yep. stuff. All of it was in that scene. And, and it's all in her face. And she yeah. doesn't say a word. Oh. And then you get your, well, I'm going to demand self-gratification now. Like, you're, yep. you're going to jerk me off, and I'm going to use your head to stand. Yep. <laughs> yeah, if, that, if that's what you are, then that's what you are. Yeah. And it's like, well, Emma Stone won and lost. Yeah. Yep. You bastard. <laughs> uh, so, review system for this time, I was going to say, originally, movies that say fuck it, but then I remembered I'm changing the review system, so we're going back to a numbered system, and uh, Chewie came up with this one, and I have to agree. How many rabbits? How many rabbits are we giving this one? Well, I'm going to give it ten floppy bunny ears. Ten flop- rabbits. Oh, I, for- okay. I forgot. I'm like, good lord, just the ears? <laughs> Floppy bunny. The ones with the long ears. Okay. Because they're adorable, and you want to squish their faces, and they're so cute. And every now and then they're going to step on their own uh, ear, and you're going to feel bad about that. But also it's kind of funny. <laughs> All right, that works. I- I'm going to go with one of those really big fucking Australian bunnies, like the ones that are like 50 or 60 pounds. <laughs> like, because they're so awesome. But at the same time, they're a lot. Like, that's a lot of bunny. I'm going to go with, and this is in line with the movie, I'm going to go with one rather large bunny dressed up like Abigail. (laughs) I don't even need an explanation. I think that that nails it. Yeah. We're getting into furry land with that one. (laughs) A little bit. Um, (laughs) So now our, our new final segment of the episode. Would you recommend it? Uh, mine is obviously pretty yes absolutely you should watch it you should definitely watch it even if it makes you uncomfortable you should watch it uh anyone who I know is easily prone 
to boredom, I would not recommend this movie. Youch. Uh, okay. But to anyone who's willing to sit and really pay attention to a storyline, yes, I'll recommend it to them. Okay, I see. This movie does not allow passive watch. Yeah, it's gotcha. like like the woman who saw a driver and was angry and sued the company because it wasn't like Fast and the Furious. That type of person, I would not recommend this movie to. Good call. Yeah. Uh, John, what about you? Do you recommend? Uh, yes, and I would probably recommend it to everyone just because seeing people's reactions to this movie, the different reactions, is interesting in and of itself. Seeing what, what people caught onto, what people hated, what people were bored by, what people latched onto, I would do it and watch them watch it because I, I would like to have that discussion after the movie about, well, what, what did you think? See, I couldn't handle that because I know specific people who would watch this and just make fun of it and not want to stay with it, and I would just get angry. That's true. But, like, to the people who just flat out, like, it just made them uncomfortable and they didn't like it, I get where you're coming from. Like, yeah. and I don't think yeah. you're wrong at all. Like, it's like this – I can see this very easily just not working for people. Yeah. Uh, it did for me, and it's I, a, I For me, it, it depends on the reason that it doesn't work for you. If it makes sure. you uncomfortable – well, that's that's fine. This yeah. is this is an artistic well, like my, movie. Like my aunt, she's like, it just made me feel weird. I didn't like it. That's that's fine. That yeah. that was kind of what it was trying to do. And if it didn't work for you, then I get it. Yeah. Even uh, the basic I, uh, complaint that it's not the proper period film and that it follows those conventions, even that complaint is legitimate. It's not what the yeah. you know creator was going for, the filmmaker was going for. But still, I mean, yeah. Just do a double feature of that and Knight's Tale. I'd, I'd start with a Knight's Tale. No, no, no. I'd finish no, no, no. Knight's Tale. Flip and it then around. Maybe let's watch yeah. the the last year's Robin Hood. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although my cousin did say it was awesome, so I haven't seen it. But yet, he's but sixteen. What does he know? Uh, <laughs> Everything. <laughs> he's sixteen. I hope he's still listening to our show. Uh, yeah, knowledge <laughs> peaks at age sixteen. It's a fact, scientific. <sighs> <laughs> Said a 16-year-old. Uh, okay, so that's it for this week. Uh, coming up next week, I am planning on... This might fall through, but I am planning on doing last year's <laughs> Halloween. Uh, because I loved it, and I've been wanting to talk about it for a while. I even bought the Blu-ray, and I haven't watched it yet. So I'm trying to force myself into watching it again. Because I think that movie is phenomenal. And I'd be really interested to see specifically what the two of you think. Um, okay. And then after that... I believe we're doing Captain Marvel because we have to talk about Captain Marvel at some point. That'll yeah. probably be a little bit of a shorter episode yeah. because everyone has said everything about Captain Marvel, but I still want to watch it again and talk about it with you guys because you guys are always fun to talk about that sort of stuff. Yeah, we'll just phrase what they said differently and it'll all be good. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about how once she puts on that Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, her uh, body armor just turns into a real good push-up bra. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Or we could just, you know, read my review live on the podcast. That'd be mm. that'd be fine. <laughs> Uh, all right, quick round of plugs. I will start every Monday. Venture Bros, Venture Brothers podcast. Uh, stick with us. We're just about done. Actually, at this point, no, no, not yet. One more episode of season four, and then we're doing a double episode of the the two episodes that come between season four and season five, which is like the ladle to the gravy, the the behind the music of Hank and um, oh my God, Hank and. Dermot's band, thank you. Thank you for not helping either one of you. Uh, Hank and Dermot's band. My pleasure. The 
uh, A Very Venture Halloween, which is also a fantastic episode. Uh, And then after that, we are diving into Season 5, which is regrettably the shortest of the entire show. And it really bums me out, but there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, And then every Tuesday, listen to Samwise. Tuesday? Yes. Cool. And then every Wednesday, listen to... I'll let John finish the rest of that sentence. Demon Days, uh, an actual play podcast. We're doing uh, D&D and having fun and getting up to devilish shenanigans. And then uh, one more thing. June 28th, tune into ATH for our brand new podcast, Damage Boost. And uh, Brock has recorded four or five episodes at this point, and I don't know which one he's planning on releasing first, but they've all been very good. Uh, It's going to be really, really fun stuff. It's just... It's a by a gamer for gamers just about loving video games and he does such a good job with it i'm very very proud to have it on our network so keep an eye out for that one as well uh anything else to plug mm-hmm. uh read the read our read our website the blog read our articles website, yes. those are back up and running matt has been crushing it i am working on one right now not as we speak um and it is on fill in the blank there uh, <laughs> just go back in in the edit and be like dogs Movies. <laughs> it is on life. Uh, no, I'm not going to say what life. it's about. Oh, you're going to rewatch the movie uh, Meaning of Life and write us something about that? I do love the movie Meaning of Life. Maybe I will do that. It's yeah, just edit it into this episode. You mean Tree of Life, don't you? Yes. Yeah, Tree of you life, mean Tree sorry. of Life. Meaning of Life is amazing. Tree of Life is fucking amazing. Garbage. Garbage. Which one's Meaning of Life? Isn't it not nice to have a penis? Isn't it awfully good to have a dog? Oh. Oh my god, we should watch those together. <laughs> yeah, make it a double feature. Meaning of Life and uh, Tree of Life. Oh, that would be so weird. That yeah. would be a weird double feature. Actually, I, I want to picture I'm concurrent. I'm super into it. I'm super oh my god, into Maybe we'll do that as an episode later on when we do another double feature episode. Oh my god. We just found our next double yes. feature episode. There we go. You stuck around to the end of this one. Congratulations. You just saw one. Not. We're going to do that the third one away. We have Halloween... We have uh, Captain Marvel, and then we're doing a double feature of Tree of Life, which I fucking loathe, and Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. I'm so excited for that double feature, even though I'm going to hate half of it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. (laughs) It's been a blast. My arms are in the air. Listen to Karina call you a bunch of jerks after the music. Bye. Bye. Bye.